This is Chris Dufault. I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Kirkston, Minnesota. I'm pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have reports from Whitney Pittman and Tyler Donaldson as well. A major storm is brewing in the Central Plains and portions of the Midwest. Three to nine inches of snow is forecast from Kansas and Nebraska to Michigan and Wisconsin. Localized areas may see a foot or more of snow during in this system. Wind gusts of 60 to 70 miles per hour will create blizzard conditions. Southwest Minnesota and southeast South Dakota may see four to eight inches of snow. Much lighter snowfall amounts are forecast in the northern plains and upper Midwest with totals closer to one to four inches. Sub-zero temps are expected by the end of the week. World Weather Incorporated says northern North Dakota and northern Montana will see extremes of 20 below and colder. A $1.6 trillion spending package is on the table as the House and Senate return from their holiday break. Congressional leadership announced a bipartisan deal over the weekend. This is a framework agreement, and lawmakers have less than two weeks to do the detail work. The government will run out of money January 19th for USDA and three other agencies. The deadline for the rest of the government is February 2nd. The Agriculture Appropriations Bill failed in a House vote in September due to language dealing with the Food and Drug Administration and the availability of an abortion pill. The U.S. added 216,000 new jobs in December, much more than had been expected. Advanced Trading Risk Management Advisor Tommy Grisafi said that Friday report rocked the markets. Initially, uh, stocks sold off hard, the bond market sold off, which means interest rates went up. And then everything started to reverse out of there pretty good. We went from uh, a complete reverse, where stocks were down huge to back up, where the bond market was down huge and came back up, and the secret was it took people about 10, 15 minutes to digest the numbers. They did months and months and months of revision. So all the last three months where they said the economy is pretty good, it is, but they revised the numbers down. So much like a USDA number where people think there's a conspiracy theory, on the financial side of markets, uh, they uh, really adjusted numbers uh, tremendously. The wheat complex held small gains on Friday. Martinson Ag Risk Management President Randy Martinson thinks increasing demand for U.S. wheat is supporting those prices. Starting to hear rumors that, you know, we got our prices down cheap enough that we've kind of uncovered a, maybe a little bit of demand. South Korea and Taiwan were then bought a little bit of wheat overnight. But right now the rumor is that China's in buying, and that's what's kind of helped pop that wheat market back up again. Martinson would like to see better price action. If you look at what's going on around the world, you would expect that wheat should have a little bit better performance because we're starting to see military uh, issues escalate in the uh, Middle East, you know, especially in the Red Sea area with Iran and the U.S. We're still seeing, you know, Russia is increasing their attacks on Ukraine. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got some issues out there, but we just can't seem to grab it as far as the market is concerned. The markets will be digesting a lot of economic data this week. That includes the USDA Export Inspections Report this morning. The Commerce Department will shed light on the trade deficit tomorrow. CONAB will release the Brazilian crop production estimates Thursday, which will be followed by the USDA Supply Demand Report on Friday. USDA also inclu will include grain stocks and winter wheat seedings in that Friday report. 
Friday's supply-demand report expected to be a major market mover. U.S. Commodities Vice President Jason Rose will be watching Brazil's production numbers. You know, it's been a while since we've had a, a f- friendly report. You know, we're going into the market or into the crop report, and we have a lot of times, you know, uh, under pressure. Um, you know, looking for bigger stocks. Um, one thing that the, the market has been watching really close is, you know, this time of year, uh, typically there is not a, a lot of news to watch. What I always have told people for the last three decades is, is this time of year we always watch the weather in Brazil. Um, you know, no doubt they have a smaller crop. Rose expects corn supplies to go higher. Trade is uh, absolutely anticipating bigger stocks on corn. So we're going into the trade uh you know oversold uh in in the corn and beans uh you know we're uh you know not uh, uh you know uh you know we really don't have a lot of premium in the market but one thing we do have is we have competitiveness we're the you know one of the cheaper grains in the world South Dakota Governor Christy Nome will deliver her State of the State address tomorrow afternoon. In addition to the budget, the legislature is expected to consider tax cuts and workforce issues. This is the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. A few hot topics for the ag industry are expected to generate a lot of discussion during South Dakota's legislative session that will kick off tomorrow. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. South Dakota Farm Bureau State Policy Director Matthew Bogue says the organization will be keeping a close eye on several topics that are expected to take up a lot of time. And there'll be a multitude of issues this this next legislative session, so... Everyone involved in agriculture will definitely have to keep an eye on, on some of the policy decisions and discussions. Um, there's discussions about property rights, eminent domain with the carbon dioxide pipelines. Um, that's going to be probably very heated and it'll take a lot of time. Um, livestock identification with the brand board, county funding, and potentially foreign ownership of ag land. So lots of topics to, to go through this session. South Dakota Farm Bureau set their policy during their annual meeting back in November. Bogue says that will serve as a lobbying guideline for other issues as well. There's the state sales tax reduction, um, whether or not the state wants to keep that permanent or if they want to keep the sunset on um, when it would expire then in 2027. So the, sun, the state sales tax would revert back to its original 4.5%. Um, one of the, the Another big discussion, it seems like it always happens every year, is about property taxes. Um, one of the goals at South Dakota Farm Bureau is obviously providing equitable um, property taxes across different classes of property and really protecting our productivity method that we use for assessing ag land in the state. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Polish farmers are suspending the blockade of its border with Ukraine. That blockade began in November. It was suspended at Christmas and then restarted January 4th. The Polish government agreed to implement new corn subsidies, increase farm lending options, and maintain current tax levels for farmers. The farmers were upset with an agreement between the European Union and Ukraine allowing grain movement to go permit-free. The Polish farmers argued that gave Ukrainian agriculture a competitive advantage. German farmers are beginning the week of national protests with convoys of tractors and trucks blocking roads. The farm groups are upset with the government's budget proposal and, uh, the, uh, and the tax break on diesel fuel and, and uh, vehicles. This blockade is happening during the same week as a proposed strike by the Truck Drivers Union. Delta T is one of the primary ways to assess spray conditions. Red River Farm Network Farm Broadcaster Tyler Donaldson. 
has more. NDSU Extension Ag Technology Systems Specialist Rob Prue shares details from his presentation about the importance of Delta T when assessing spray conditions. If you've ever thought about humidity and how humidity affects your spray applications, then uh, Delta T is relevant. Just the value of using Delta T versus relative humidity is that those, those numbers always carry the same meaning. Uh, relative humidity of 50% at 60 degrees and at 85 degrees doesn't mean the same thing, but a delta T value always means the same thing. So it's just a way to pay attention to those, to those humidity conditions with a number that is, has a consistent meaning to it. With delta T values often differing from morning to afternoon, Prue says that resources such as the Endon network are valuable for keeping up to date. I think the first step would be to, to use a resource to monitor delta T. And if you're in North Dakota or even much of Minnesota and have uh, access to the Endon network, that would be where I would recommend starting. Endon stations report delta T values. And then there's also a color-coded scale within Endon uh, representing the ideal range of delta T or if the delta T values are, are getting are a little bit lower, a little bit high. It's really primarily in the only in the mornings where you see the lower delta T and it, it really it's it's more the afternoons and the elevated delta T's you need to be watching for. And uh, the recommendations are the bigger the droplets you can use and the more water volume you can use, the better you'll be able to counteract some of those elevated delta T's. According to Prue, delta T is a newer resource that can help farmers know when not to spray. Bray. If you start to get to 21, 22 on a delta T or higher, really strongly suggest can you consider postponing those those uh, operations. In especially the eastern part of the state, we don't see delta T's elevated at that level all that often in most years. So you wouldn't, really wouldn't be sacrificing that much time if you if you avoided spraying during those high delta T's. Even in the in the marginal high values, if you're spraying contact products, it's really where you need to be be mindful of uh, delta T because that's where you can really start to see some of the efficacy uh, decreases. For the Red River Farm Network, I'm Tyler Donaldson. The EPA has approved a new bioinsecticide to control Colorado potato beetle. Colantha is produced by Greenlight Biosciences. Chemical pesticide resistance is estimated to cost U.S. agriculture at least $10 billion per year, and this bioinsecticide is described as an effective and easy-to-use alternative. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. With Congress returning to Washington, D.C. this week, a bill called the No Russian Agriculture Act is expected to see floor action in the House. This bill would instruct the Treasury Department to pressure international financial institutions, like the World Bank, to reduce their reliance on Russia for ag commodities. Fertilizer and grain are specifically mentioned in this bill, California Democrat Maxine Waters and Iowa Republican Zach Nunn are co-sponsors of that bill. Well, Potato Expo kicks off Wednesday in Austin, Texas. National Potato Council Vice President of Industry Relations and Events, Holly Alexander, previews Potato Expo. It starts off with uh, United puts on a business summit with uh, some of the updates um, on the markets. And then the Expo, uh, Potato Expo, officially opens after that. Uh, this year, we are going to have uh, three stages with programming going on both days on all three stages all day long. Uh, so there'll be lot, lots of content and information to, to gather while you're there. Along with those educational seminars, Alexander says this year's trade show is special. It is going to be the largest exhibit hall we have ever had. Uh, we have a record-breaking number of exhibiting companies. We've expanded the footprint of the floor plan so we have you know a, a space that's 
over 100,000 square feet that is going to have everything that's going on at the expo over the two days of the show. And and we're excited about that. It's it's a great um, environment for networking and uh, reconnecting and, and doing business. USDA is making up to $3 million available to provide risk management training to underserved, small-scale, and organic farmers. Nonprofit groups and land-grant universities can apply for those grants. The deadline for applications is March 4th. Checking markets this morning, we are in the red a bit here. Minneapolis wheat, March, down three and three-quarter cents at 708 and a quarter. The May contract down two and a quarter. Chicago wheat for March down 12 cents. Hard red winter wheat March down seven and a quarter. Corn is mixed either side of steady. March a half penny higher at 461 and a quarter, while the July contract is a half cent lower at 483 and a quarter. Soybeans March 1252, four and a quarter down. May down by four cents at 1260 and a quarter. On the farm calendar, the small grain update meetings for wheat, soybean, and corn producers going on uh, this week. Tomorrow in Dilworth at noon. On Wednesday, Ada and Crookston hosting the small grain update meetings. On Thursday, Hallock and Rozo. And on Friday, they'll be in St. Hilaire. Uh, they'll have Dr. Uh, Joachim Wiersma, small grain specialist, talking about spring wheat variety performance. Bruce Claven from uh, uh, the lobbyists for Minnesota Wheat will be providing a legislative update. Uh, there will be an update on on-farm research results with Melissa Carlson and more. Uh, and, of course, Potato Expo this week. Red River Farm Network will be reporting from Austin, Texas. Have a great day. This is the Red River Farm Network.